Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. Yeah, you know the Word of God never returns void, right? It never returns void. And I'm excited to get into this word tonight because I believe this is a word that really can change your life. It's a simple word. And it's a message that comes from all over Scripture. It's written from Genesis to Revelation. Over the 1,500 years of the writing of the Scripture, there's this theme that just runs through the canon of Scripture. And I'm excited to share it with you tonight. That's what we're going to do, but i got to ask you some questions, because you figured it out by now. I'm an interactive preacher with my green checkerboard jacket that y'all are making fun of. I like it, okay? It was an Instagram ad. It was $14. It took three months to get here. I thought I got scammed, but I didn't. I got it on right now. I'm never going to wash it, because if I do, it's going to fit my two-year-old son. But I got it. I didn't get scammed. All right, let's get down to business. Enough about clothes. i got a question for you. We're going to start with this question. And I'm just wondering, like, can we get real tonight? You know, no, I mean really, like, at work, you got to put on a front. Sometimes even at church, you feel like you got to put on a front. And you got to act like you got it all together. When, let's be honest, if they came over to your house, it ain't together. It's not even close to together. So I wonder tonight, as a family, if we could just get real. And I want to ask you a real question, and let's be real about it. Have you ever in your life felt like you're not enough. Come on. Have you ever felt like you're just not enough? And, and I don't know what your enough is. You know, maybe it's you feel like you're not pretty enough. Maybe, you know, it's something like that, or, you know, you're not handsome enough, and that's why you're still single, or what is it? Like, why, what, what, what is wrong with me? How come I don't have what they have? Maybe I'm not tall enough. Have you ever felt like You're not successful enough. You look at what he has and the title that she has and the degree she got. And then you look at your life and you're like, man, they got enough, but I don't. Like, I'm not educated enough, not talented enough, not organized enough. That's my testimony. I'm not an organized person. Not organized enough. These feelings are something I want to talk about tonight. And every male in this room is checking for the exit doors because they're like, yo, we don't talk about feelings. Worship, that's cool. Read the word of God all you want, pastor, but let's not talk about feelings. No, no, no. Yeah, men, you need this too. You might need this more than the sister next to you. Men, make some noise. Where are the men at tonight? Yo, that sounded like an army. We need to do a men's night. Let's go. Yeah, I like that. But for real, I mean, this, this is something we all struggle with. Um, as professionals, we struggle with it. We feel like we're not enough, maybe for the expectations of our boss or the expectations of our workplace. As parents, oh man, I'm a new parent. We feel like this all the time, that we're not enough of a mom or not enough of a dad to be 
how we should to raise our kids right. This feeling of not enough is very, very real. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So do me a favor, and if you have ever felt like you're not enough, put your hand up. Let me see it real quick. Okay, cool. We've got about a thousand honest people and a thousand liars. I'm not surprised. Don't make me come down there with my microphone and interview you. Have you ever felt like you're not enough? Come on. More liars? This is church. What are you doing? Okay, cool. We'll stop playing games in a second. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, if the second time you still didn't have your hand up because, you know, you just feel like you are enough and you don't have any problems, then you, sir, or you, ma'am, you have more problems than anyone else here. Because if you think you are enough and you got it all together, oh boy, let me come to your house and just walk with you for 24 hours. I won't tell anybody. I just want to see. Because I haven't seen it yet except in the life of Jesus Christ. That's the only place I've ever seen it. And it's important that we talk about this. Um, whose parents? Parents, let me see your hands. Interactive preaching. All right, just give them a round of applause. Yeah, up until two years ago, I thought it was an overrated job. And then I got one, by one, meaning like a human being, a child, a baby. And I'm like, this is hard. They deserve some credit. You got to give your parents some slack, teenagers, okay? Because what they do is hard. When they were changing your diapers in the middle of the night, it was difficult. So just remember that, okay, when you're giving them a hard time. But it's important that we recognize that we have this feeling of being not enough. And why is it important? Because if we go all the way back to the garden in Genesis, and the book of Genesis, you know, the enemy appears in the form of a serpent, and he deceives someone named Eve. And he goes to her, and I'm paraphrasing, but what just of what he gets to is he says to her, don't you want to be like God? You know, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil means that you yourself get to decide what is good or what is evil, which was the one thing that God reserved for him and gave everything else to Adam and Eve. And the enemy comes in and he plays on her insecurity and he makes her think that the way she is created by God is not enough. That she has to have more. That she has to be more. That she has to be equal with God. And what does she do? We know the rest of the story. She eats from the tree. And here's the fall. And we're still dealing with the consequences. Thank God there was another chapter in the story named Jesus Christ. But this it's important that we understand the areas in our life where, feel, where we feel like we're inadequate or where we're not enough. And I believe this message that you're going to get tonight is one of the most important and, frankly, liberating messages that you could ever hear. It's a simple one, but it's one that we all need to digest and take in. And here's what it is in just a few words. That when you feel like you're not enough, that when you feel like you're not enough, you're right. You're not. Just let that sit in for a second. When you feel like you're not enough, you're right. You're not enough. What the heck is up with this preacher? Get him out of here. I didn't come to church to be made to feel bad. I came here to be encouraged. Where's my encouragement at? No, no, no. You got to understand that truthfully, you are not enough. What kind of church is this that tells me things like this? But let's talk about this idea of what we mean by being enough. What do we mean when we say, I'm not enough, or when we feel like I'm not enough? To do that, we probably need to define what enough is. What do we mean when we say, am I enough? Do I measure up? Well, the dictionary defines enough 
with two synonyms, sufficient or adequate. Sufficiency or adequacy. If something is sufficient, it's enough. If it's adequate, it's enough. And so often in our life, we don't feel like we're adequate for the task that we have at hand. So that begs a question. Sufficient or adequate for what demand? See, what are the demands that we aren't weighing up to? That's what we got to talk about tonight. So when we talk about this question of, oh, am I enough? You got to understand what we're talking about is an issue of supply and demand. And that's the title of the message tonight. So would you look to your neighbor and say, supply and demand. Supply and demand. Say it better. Economics 101. You want to know why you got to have $2 million to buy a condo in Canada now? Supply and demand. You want to know why you watch your life savings roll away when you go to the gas pump? Supply and and demand. There's some other things too, but we won't go political in here. Supply and demand is the basic principle that sets an economy. It's the basic principle, in fact, that dictates so much of your life and so much of my life. See, but what we do in our lives when we make this analysis of being enough, we always start with the demand. We always look at, man, what bill do I have due next month? What do I have to get done at work? How am I going to raise these kids? How am I going to pass this class and graduate this program? He couldn't do it, and he's smarter than me. How am I going to do it? We always start our analysis with the demand. But we got to look at that and look into our lives and, and define who gets to set the demands. Do we set the demands on our lives, or does God set the demands on our lives? Because the answer to that will bring about a very different question. Does your boss get to set the demands on your life? Do your parents, young people, get to set the demands on your life? Does social media get to set the demands on your life? Don't get me preaching on that. We'll be here all night. When you're scrolling and you see what they have and you don't, is that what's setting the demand on your life? Or are we looking at what God demands of us? See, here's the thing. When it comes to demand and when it comes to God, hear me when I tell you this. You will always have enough to do your part of the equation. You'll always have enough. Why? Because God is not a cruel God. He does not make withdrawals from places where he has not already made deposits. And he has made good deposits in you. He has good plans for you. He has a hope and a future for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you. Amen? Anybody believe that in here tonight? That's just the truth. Those are the plans, those are the demands that he has for you. But for so long, so many of us, man, we've been trying to fulfill those demands all on our own. We've been trying to figure out how we can do it, how we can make it happen. But there is something more important in your life than the demands that are on you. And that is the other side of this mathematical equation. That is the supply. The supply, my friends, is more critical than the demand when it comes to the economy of your life. It's more important, the supply. You got to understand that. And I came to ask you the question tonight, where does your supply come from? Where does your help come from? When stuff all falls apart, where's the first place that you turn? Do you turn to the pocketbook and get discouraged? 
Do you turn to your spouse and expect them to have the answer and the reason why? Do you turn to the bottle? We're preaching real now. Do you turn back to that toxic relationship that you know you got no business being in, but you just can't let go because it feels familiar and you don't know anything else? Where is your supply? Where do you get your help from? What well do you draw from when the demand gets heavy? Because, my friends, it works just like that historic scale. The supply and the demand got a way out. So tonight, I didn't come here to talk about all the demands on your life. I don't know the demands of your life. There are too many of you I can't ask you. But I can tell you about the supply that is available to you. I can tell you about the one well that never runs dry, no, many, no matter how many times you got to pull up water from it. I came tonight to tell you about the well that you can go to after you've been divorced five times and you're already working on your sixth. And there's still someone who comes and meets you there and says, no, 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 stop finding your supply in men and relationships and find it in me, the water that you will drink from and never be thirsty ever again. Your supply, my friends, is very important. We got to look at it. And this rude preacher might stand up here and tell you that you're not enough. And he might be right, but here's the thing, he is enough. You might not be enough, in fact, you probably aren't enough, but he is enough. Look to your neighbor and say it with some conviction, you're not enough. <laughs> nah, sis, you're not enough. Wife, girlfriend, you're not enough. No, no, no. Now look at him and say it encouraging because we're in church, but he is. Yeah, now you got it, but he is. That's the answer to this equation. My friends, if he is your supply, if he is your portion, then your cup will runneth over. And any demand that comes in your way is not too large for him. Because I told you, he doesn't make withdrawals from places that he doesn't make deposits. And he made you. He made every hair on your head or lack thereof. I see some of y'all. He made all of it. This brother over here said, excuse me. I wasn't looking at you, man. I was like looking at the ceiling when I said that. He made you. He knows what you got. He put it in you. Philippians 4.19 promises you this, though. My God will supply every need. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That should get somebody excited because he's a rich man. I'm not talking Elon Musk. I'm talking a whole other level. That's the kind of riches you have access to. And I don't mean dollar bills. I mean something that's worth a lot more than a dollar bill in your life. I'm talking peace. I'm talking contentment. I'm talking joy. I'm talking grace. I'm talking forgiveness. These are the things that matter in life. Money is fleeting. He has got it, and guess what? He promises to be your supply. You notice what Philippians says? That he will be your supply, not that your skill will be your supply, not that your hustle, not that your grind, not that your education, not that your relationship, no, 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 that he will be your supply. It doesn't stop there. Psalm 73, 26, the Bible talks about this. My flesh and my heart may fail. Oops, not enough. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, not even just for yesterday and all the mistakes I made, but forever. He is your portion and your supply forever. And you got to understand, this is the most liberating message that you could ever get. 
Because some of you are thinking that you've had to do it all by yourself. And you wake up in the morning and you think about how you're not enough for the job. You at night put your head to rest on your pillow and you're 38 years old and you're still single and you say, I'll never be enough for somebody. I don't know what your testimony is, but what I'm trying to tell you is you were never meant to be enough. But he is, and he is with you, and he has not left you, and he will never abandon you and never forsake you. He stays closer than a brother. So when I say you're not enough, I'm not being rude, but I am speaking facts. You're not. You're not enough. God is your portion forever. But the world today, oh, 2024, the world today would have you believe in this thing called self-help, self-care, self-love, self-made, self-made. You go to Indigo or Chapters or anywhere books are sold, they're all shutting down. Amazon is taking over. But if you can find one, there will be 99 books on self-help. My friends, if one of them completely worked, there wouldn't be 98 more. You should think about this. Why are there 99 there? But there is one book. There is one book that has one truth that says, no, 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 self-help won't do it for you, but there's this thing called God help that will absolutely do it for you. Because I don't know about you, maybe you're the person who didn't raise their hand and you got it all together, but self-help ain't going to get it done for Ryan McVitie. Ryan McVitie needs God help. I need God help in my family. I need God help in my finances. I need God help in my faith. That's what I need on that equation. My supply has to be him. If that's Ryan, the demand is going to win every single day. But some of you in this room, just like me, have been living your life, removing him from this side of the equation and just looking at what you've got. You don't need self-help, my friend. You need God help. God help changes things. God help moves things. When God comes and helps, you wouldn't believe what goes out. Because when God comes in, fear goes out. When God comes in, insecurity goes out. You go, yeah, I'm not enough. I don't need to be. I got God. I'm good. You need some God help. Last week, who was here? Hands up in the air. Let's see who was here last week. I'm not like checking attendance, okay? It serves a purpose. Last week, we preached about Gideon. Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 7. He's in the promised land, but he's got no peace. He's retreated to the hills, and he can't even enjoy the promise that was given to his forefathers and then brought to him through Joshua entering the promised land. He can't even enjoy it. Some of us, that's our testimony. We prayed for this family. God gave it to us, and now we're miserable. We prayed for this job, and the interview seemed so great, but now we're here, and we hate it. We got no peace. We just want to play video games all day. You can't do that in Canada, okay? It's expensive. You got to work. Two jobs, probably. But see, we talked about Gideon, and, and I love the story so much because the angel of the Lord comes to him while he's in the low place, the wine press, hiding. He can't even go in the field to farm. And the angel of the Lord comes and calls him mighty warrior. And you know what he says? Pardon me? Mighty who? Excuse me? Mighty warrior. I don't know who you're talking to, but that's not me. You know, isn't that your response too? I mean, honestly, who is a worse critic of you than you? You know, next time you get mad at someone because they criticized you, compare what they said to what you say about yourself. You're going to step back and go, that person ain't so bad. They're nicer than I am to myself. 
I mean it. Who's a worse critic of you than you? Who believes in you less than you? we got to define in our life sometimes who's the enemy. The church, we love to just, Satan is the enemy. Put him under my feet and stomp him. I believe in that. I preach that. But you know more often, you're the enemy? Y'all are just wishing we could get back to worship. You don't like this guy anymore. Thank you, brother. So often, we are our very own worst enemy. And that's what happened to Gideon until he accepted and he obeyed. And then this man who said, I can't do it. I'm from the least house, and I'm the least in the least house. There's no way I can do it, God. But he obeys. He foregoes 32,000 and goes down to 300, surrounds 135,000 war Midian warriors. And what happens? This boy don't even have to pick up a sword, and he wins the battle. He's so worried about how he's going to fight with the sword. He's not strong enough. He never even has to touch it. Why? Because it's not about him. It's about him. He wasn't enough. All he did was obey. And then what happened? He was more than enough. And, you know, we learned about Midian last week. And there was this thing when I studied that I thought was so interesting because Midianites at this stage in Judges 6 are the most oppressive force to God's people, the Israelites. But if we back up just 150 years and we get to the time of the Exodus, Moses is actually taking refuge amongst the Midianites because Pharaoh is pursuing him because he's murdered someone. By the way, some of y'all think you're disqualified because of what you did last week. Moses was a murderer, and he's a legend of our faith. God has grace for you available, and he had to hide. Moses had to hide with the Midianites. He marries a Midianite woman. His father is a Midianite priest. The Midianites were a great blessing to God's people, but then they're crushing them. But with the Midianites in Exodus chapter 3, God is, tells Moses, hey, Moses, you got to go back to Pharaoh and tell him what? Let my people go. You see, this great command from God happens in Exodus 3. And this Exodus 3 scenario, my friends, was definitely not a self-help scenario. This is a God-help scenario. So I want to read it to you. Exodus 3, verse 10. We're going to read to 14. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, just what you and I like to say, who am I? What? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at that time, and bring the children of Israel, hundreds of thousands of them, out of Egypt, 400 years of bondage and slavery, built the pyramids. You think he's just going to let them go? And then verse 12, you know, it's going to come up on the screen. I'll read you the real version, but the Ryan version, I'll tell you, that I think this really is, but God is perfect, and I'm not, and I'm carnal and le much less than him. Verse 12, God says, he said, but I will be with you. Translation, shut up, Moses. You're talking about yourself again and how you're not going to be able to do it. He doesn't stop and go, Moses, you're actually a pretty good speaker, you know. Like, you can do this if you build some confidence and watch some YouTube videos. Pharaoh will probably listen to you, and it's going to be okay. Don't worry. Pat on the back. Shut up. I'll be with you. That's, the, that's, the, that's what we get. He says, I will be with you, and I'll even give you a sign because I know you're scared. Remember Gideon? If you're afraid, I'll give you a sign. God meets us in our place where we are if we're willing to go to him. Translation, Ryan version, Moses, you think you're not enough? Cool. No problem. I'll be enough. 
That's what he's saying here. He's saying, I'll be with you. I will be your supply. I know I've given you a big demand, but I'll be with you. I will be your supply. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Get ready for this. What shall I say to them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, the I am has sent you. The word of the Lord for you tonight is this. You're not enough for that task? Cool, no problem. I am. You're not enough to raise this family? Cool, no problem. I am. You're not enough to get by this week and put food on the table? No problem. I am. You're not strong enough? That's okay. I am. All you have to do is say his name. His name is I am. So when I tell you that you're not enough, the very first thing that you should do is look up and remember that he says, I am, because that's his name. But the world today, man, it tells you the opposite. The world today tells you that you are enough. Listen to your heart. Follow your feelings. You are more than enough. And I know that talks nice, and I understand the sentiment is usually good. I'm not being critical, but the reality is that we aren't. And as long as we believe the lie that we're enough to do it on our own, we will always be left feeling insufficient, inadequate, insecure, and unstable. Some of you, that's your testimony. It's been my testimony many years of my life. We have to remember, and not by the lie, that we're not enough. I want you to see tonight that you don't have to do this life alone anymore. And I want to show you, I hope you looked around the room, there was at least a thousand hands that went up. You're not alone in feeling like you're not enough. You're not alone in this struggle. You have brothers and sisters. And even the legends of our faith, Moses, who could be a better legend of our faith, maybe other than Christ himself, he had the same feeling that you have. In Exodus chapter 4, it's my, maybe my favorite two verses of the Bible. You got to understand the context. We're going to read from verse 10 in a second. God commands Moses, like I told you earlier, to let my people go, to tell Pharaoh that he's got to let the Israelites go after 400 years. And then here we get Moses' response. And I love it so much. I'll preach it till the day I die. Then Moses said back to the Lord, Oh my Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and I am slow of tongue. I, 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 I am, I am, I, I, I. He shifts the focus all to himself. And let's be honest, if you shift the focus to yourself, I don't care how many years of work you put in, you will find reasons to believe that you are inadequate. And you'll probably be right about some of them. Some of them you'll be harder on yourself than you should because that's what we do. But you'll find reasons, I promise you that. And now just check what the Lord says back to him in verse 11. I love it so much. So the Lord said to him, to Moses, hey, that mouth you're complaining about, let me ask you a question. Who has made man's mouth? Snap. When God asks you a question, my friend, he's not looking for an answer. He 
knows it all. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything. He's looking to teach you something when he asks you a question. You're telling me that mouth doesn't have enough supply for the demand I've put on you, Moses? Hey, who gave you that mouth? Hey, this is the word for you tonight. You can't do it in that family. Who gave you that family? Hey, you can't raise those kids. Who gave you those kids? Hey, you can't get through this program that you enrolled in. Who brought you there and put that call of God on your life? Who gave it to you? Verse 11, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go. That's the word for someone tonight. Go. Therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. I will be your portion, Moses. I will be your supply, Ryan. I will be your supply to you in this room tonight is what he is saying. He's saying, I know exactly what you got because I made you. And I'm the one who gave it to you. So if I'm with you, I'm going to be enough. He shifts the focus. This is what God does, and he does it all the time. It's a common thread through Scripture. We complain about us, and he shifts the focus off of us and back onto him. And that's what we have to be able to do. Because, my friends, if you have him, you have more than enough. You have more than enough for exactly what he has called you to do for your purpose, whatever it may be. But you were never made to do it alone. And the enemy, through a nice sentiment in 2024, wants you to believe that you're enough on your own. And it sounds great, but it's death in the making. Because you're not enough. That's what the enemy loves. He wants you to take something that tastes sweet while it goes down all the way till it kills you. And that's what he wants you to believe, this lie that you're enough. You're not. You can't be enough for yourself to help yourself. You know why? Because you didn't make yourself. You got to go back to the maker of your life. When something breaks that you care about that's valuable, when my iPhone breaks, who are the iPhone people in the room? Hands up. Let me see the gifted, intelligent, wise, successful people with blue messages when they send them. Put your hand back up. I want to see who you are. You are just the best. If my iPhone breaks, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take it to the Apple store, and I'm going to get it fixed by the one who made it. And if I'm lucky enough, it might even still be under warranty. Do you know that God made you, and he didn't just leave you then and abandon you. He put a warranty on your life that you can claim, but good luck claiming the Apple store warranty at Pacific Mall. Good luck taking it to one of them little stations at the Oshawa Center in the middle. And saying, hey, I got Apple Care. They'll say, I don't care. Pay me money. If you really care about it, you'll go back to the one who made it. Because they know what's inside of it. If you really care, you got to go back to the one who put that heart in you that's broken. When your heart is in pieces, Valentine's Day is coming up next week. There's no better time for the potter to mold it back again into a beautiful clay form. you got to believe that. We, gotta, we can't fix ourselves because we didn't make ourselves. It's what the Bible says. Isaiah 64 says this. It says that our righteous works are what? They're like filthy rags. That's your righteous works. That's you on Sunday morning. That's the good you. That's not the Friday night 2 a.m. you. Mm. That's your righteous works. 
and they are filthy rags. I don't know what Friday 2 a.m. is like. If those are filthy rags, your righteous works can't do it. You've got to stop trying to do it on your own. The first call has to be the manufacturer. Has to go back to the one who made you wives. Where are the wives in the room? Let me, let me see you. Put your hand up. Wives, where are you at? I'm not a wife, but, you know, it's just symbolism. Wife, who's in here? Did you know that your husband came with a warranty? Yes? There's good news and there's bad news. It's repair only, not exchange. Okay? You got to keep them. You can't just swap them out for another one. But you can take them to God. God will fix them up. He might not give them a six-pack for you, okay? But he'll fix them up. He came with a warranty. That's a joke, but hold on, let's get real for a second. You know you throw away a lot of things in your life that could be fixed if you just take them back to the manufacturer? Yeah, I'm talking about that friendship last month that went a little wonky. So it's a lot easier just to cut them out of your life and not speak to them anymore. You know you could take them back to the manufacturer, right? You know that relationship that used to be a three strand cord that is not easily broken. It used to be boyfriend, girlfriend, God, husband, wife, God. You know, if, if we put God back in the equation and took it back to our manufacturer, we wouldn't have to throw it out and exchange it for a divorce and another one. I'm telling you, my friends, we throw away a lot of things in this life that if we would just go back to the manufacturer, if we would go fill up on the supply instead of just looking at the demand, we wouldn't have to throw it away. We could keep it. So before you throw it out, because it's not meeting your demands, and that's what you're taught today. Hey, you get married, the minute it's not good for you, deuces. Peace out. No worries. Move on to greater fields ahead. There are more fish in the sea. Whatever you hear. But let me just tell you, my friends, before you trade it in because it's not meeting your demands, here's what you need to do. This is my last point before we get back to worship. Make sure it's still connected to the supply. Make sure it's still connected to the supply. If it has been cut off, it's only a matter of time until it dies. It's a ticking time bomb just waiting to happen. Don't believe Ryan McVeeney. Believe the words of Jesus Christ in John chapter 15, verse 4. He tells you this. This is an order, my friends, and you got to take it. Remain in me as I also remain in you. That's a promise. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do. Oh, you thought this preacher was rude. How about Jesus Christ? Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. Before you go throw it in the trash, ask yourself, is it still connected to the supply? Because if it's still connected to the supply, it will meet the demand. But let me just tell you, Christ taught in analogies because he was brilliant. What happens to a branch when you cut it off from the vine? What happens to the fruit that's left on the branch? You know, it might get by for a day or two. Depending on the type of fruit, some are stronger than others. It might get by for four or five days, but eventually it will rot. And eventually it will go bad. And guess what? Fruit won't grow anymore because it's no longer connected to the source. What area in your life have you cut off from the source? Let's get real. 
for me, for years in my life, it was finances. I'd be so stressed out over finances for my life, for my family, for my ministry. And then I realized something. I had cut him off from the source. Tithing, that's not for me. 10%, are you kidding me? You know how expensive it is to live today? I'm not doing that. I cut it off. And then I wonder why that area, there's so much demand and so little supply. In your marriage, in your dating relationship, you started and you were honoring God and you brought him into it, and now you're just miserable? Go back and check. Are you still connected to the supply? Is she... Is he, are the two of you together? What do you have to do to get connected to the supply again? Because my friend, without him, we will always eventually run out. Some of us might be able to tread water a little longer than others, but eventually you drown. You can't tread water in this life, but for so long if you are not connected to the supply. And it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy. Because today in 2024, we talk about this idea of not having enough. You have more today than anyone has ever had. You have air conditioning, you have public transportation, you have heat, you have toilets. That's not something we thank God for often, but that's a real blessing. Have you ever been to an outhouse? I'm just saying. You have more today than we have ever had in history, yet we seem to be less content today than ever before. It's like we don't have enough. I don't know if you know of a man, I told you last week I'm a history buff, named John D. Rockefeller. My dad taught me this story. This is probably the richest man ever to live. He had a monopoly on oil in the United States of America. 90% of oil in America he owned. Okay, this makes Elon Musk look broke. This guy had huge money and he got interviewed and the interviewer said, are you happy? And he said, no, I'm not happy. He said, well, what will make you happy? What number do you have to get to? Is it 90 billion? Is it 190 billion? What number will you be happy? And he said, no, 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 I don't have a number. I just know I need a little more. And when I get a little more, I still need a little more. And I still need a little more. What you should take away from that, my friends, is being enough. Maybe it's not a matter of quantity. Maybe it's a matter of quality. Maybe it's a matter of not how much supply you have, but where you get your supply from. Because if you can have all the riches in the world and still be a miserable old man that dies alone, we probably have to ask ourselves some questions. Are we looking at the right supply? Do we focus at the right supply? I've been blessed in my life to do missions work around many continents around the world, and my wife and I, my wife's involved in a ministry in Nicaragua. We go there very often. Nicaragua is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, only second to Haiti. The average annual income in Nicaragua is $340 a year. You understand that? It's less than a dollar a day. That the average person, I'm not talking the poor person, the average person makes in this country. But you know what? I walk around that country and I see the joy of the Lord everywhere. I see people smiling with no shoes on their feet, a dirt floor and barely a roof over their head. And I go, what the heck? How is this possible? All I care about is getting a bigger house and a nicer Jeep and a bigger lift and bigger mud tires because that makes me happy and a better iPhone, the 15, which is infinitely better than any Android, obviously. <laughs> Just wanted to shoot that arrow before I got off the stage and we worshiped. But it really gets you thinking. It's like if they don't have 
much supply, but they have joy. What is it? I'll tell you this. Those people down there, they worship, man. Those people down there, they fix their eyes upon where their help comes from. It's a Christian nation where everybody still goes to church and worships the Lord. They have a different supply than we have in this country. They might not have running water, but they got the well that never runs dry. It's a whole different situation. So maybe that means that contentment and peace and joy, we're almost done, isn't tied to having enough. Maybe it just means this. Maybe it just means if you have him, you already have enough. That if you have the I am, it's okay that you're not. Stop confusing volume and value in this life. Volume and value, my friends, are the not, not the same thing. Just because someone's loud doesn't mean they're powerful. Just because there's a lot of something doesn't mean it's valuable. Just because someone is famous doesn't mean they're great. Just because someone is great doesn't mean that they're famous. We got it all twisted. We got to get our supply right. And then you'll see that the demand no longer matters. Because if I have the God who made the mountain, I don't care how big it is. He will make it move. Would you stand back up to your feet? Because we're going to get into worship. The worship team is going to come back up. This is always the best time of the night where we get to just soak in the word and worship God. Go to the Lord and really make some change in our hearts. What I've been trying to tell you in this message is this simple statement. Please hear me. Don't hear me actually. Hear what God is saying to you tonight. This is what he's saying to you tonight. He's saying to you, you've been weighing this dichotomy every day. I got so much demand, and I got so little time, and I got so little money, and I have so little patience, and I just don't know how I'm going to do it. And then I go over here, and I look at my supply, and all I see is want and lack. And I don't have enough. And I'm comparing to what everyone else has, and I'm comparing to the demands that I've set on my life, and I've realized that it's not enough. And I look at this image, and I just get stressed out because I see where the scales are leaning. The Lord is saying to you tonight through this word, through his scripture, is that you have forgotten that the I am is the one that controls the demand and controls the supply. And if you will let go of constantly looking at the demand and constantly weighing the supply, you'll have, you, you, you've been looking at this graphic for 40 minutes and you didn't realize it was a cross holding it up the whole time. If you will let go of your constant need to meet every demand that you put on yourself, and if you will go to the right source, the right supply, the one that never runs dry, you'll see that this equation, this mathematical equation was already answered for you. That there was this place on a mount called Calvary where on a tree, the Son of God himself set those scales for you forever and gave you more supply than you could ever need for any demand. And it came through one thing alone, through the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed on that cross 
And that blood is too precious for you to keep walking around in your life going, I'm not enough. I don't have enough. If you have the blood of Jesus Christ, you have more than you will ever need. More than you could ever want. You could lose everyone. Everyone could turn against you. You could get canceled. You could be hated. If you got the blood, you have all you'll ever need. And then you'll be able to sing. Even when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll be able to not fear the demand anymore because you have the supply. You have the blood. I know you did that thing last week, but you have the blood. And it's available to you tonight. So this is your chance. This is your opportunity not to sing another song. That's cheap. That's low level. This is the chance to set your heart right. And tomorrow when the demands start rolling in, the second you wake up and look at that phone, going, I got a different supply. I'm not enough, but he is enough. That's surrender. And that's what you get to do as we worship the Lord together right now. Let's worship him.